Hi, everyone. Welcome to our midweek teaching. We are currently in a series called Regarding Scripture. We're talking about the Bible every week and how it was put together and what the purpose of Scripture is and how to read it, how to interpret it, what to do with it. And I don't know about you, I've really been enjoying this series so far uh, for the past three weeks. I really appreciate what Pastor DJ said a couple of weeks ago about the purpose of Scripture. You know, that it's not supposed to be read like a, like a handbook for how to have like a successful life. And it's not a rule book and it's not a history book and it's not a, a modern science book. Uh, I appreciated that. Um, it is the story of God and his relationship with creation. And he said, you know, why should we, why should we read the Bible? Uh, we should read it to meet Jesus and to learn to walk in his ways. Um, that's that, that was a good reminder for me. Uh, last week, if you watched, uh, DJ unpacked how the Old Testament was put together. Uh, and, uh, you know, it, it wasn't something that just uh, fell from the sky, uh, you know, and we just, woo, we just caught it and, you know, caught it. And it's like this wonderful leather bound uh, Bible with chapters and verses and footnotes and cross references. And my Bible even has like a concordance at the end and, and some maps. That's not how the Bible was originally delivered to us. Uh, the Bible was put together over many, many years. And uh, it was a fascinating uh, teaching last week. We want to do something similar uh, today. And we want to talk about how the New Testament came to be. And uh, here's a couple of quick facts about the New Testament. Uh, how many of you know how many books there are in the New Testament? A little trivia for you. Uh, well, there's, I'll give you a hint. There's 66 books in the whole Bible. There's 39 in the Old Testament. So if you do the math, uh, 27 books in the New Testament. I hope you uh, were somewhat close on that. 27 books, and they were written within about 40 years. So the New Testament was really written in a short amount of time, uh, pretty much in the middle to late first century, you know, after Jesus uh, ascended uh, into heaven and left earth until the end of the first century was when all these books were, 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 uh, were written and they were written by first generation Jesus followers. Uh, these were people that, you know, had walked with Jesus had probably had meals with Jesus, heard Jesus' teaching. Uh, they, they were there, or at least, you know, they had heard about the, the, the crucifixion and the resurrection and, and, uh, they wrote about it. It changed their life. The fact that Jesus uh, died for their sins, that he was buried, that he rose again, and that he appeared. Uh, he pulled off his own, he had predicted his own death and resurrection, and then he pulled it off. And, and it, it changed everything. And so uh, it was written by first generation Jesus followers. If you were to take the New Testament and kind of divide it up into different sections, uh, there's about three to five different ways that you could divide it. Um, I did four. Uh, it begins with the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. This is the good news of the kingdom of God. And so Matthew kicks it off. He's the uh, tax collector who became one of Jesus' disciples. And uh, he writes about the life and the ministry of Jesus. And uh, Mark does the same. Mark wasn't one of the disciples, uh, but scholars, biblical scholars think that Mark uh, uh, was, uh, you know, had, was in a close relationship with Simon Peter. And he's using Peter's notes and stories and, and, and memories and put together the gospel of Mark. 
And then Dr. Luke came along and he wrote this very detailed account of Jesus's life and ministry. And he wrote it to his friend Theophilus. And Luke highlighted some uh, of the people that were marginalized that in that culture. And so Luke writes about uh, the poor. He writes about uh, disabled people. He writes about even women. He emphasized women in his gospel. And uh, Luke is the longest of the gospels. And then John, the beloved disciple, comes along and he writes a very interesting gospel account. It's, it's, uh, it's very different than the other three. Not that he you know, uses different material, but he just writes in such a way because he wants everybody that reads his gospel to believe in the name of Jesus. And uh, so, so John writes his gospel. And then is the book of Acts. And it's the Acts of the Apostles. It tells the history of the church. And Luke wrote this. And he uh, writes about you know, the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit comes on, uh, the people that were there huddled together, and they begin to uh, you know, prophesy, they begin to uh, talk about the things that they had seen uh, just a couple of months prior. And they could not stop talking about Jesus, uh, their friend, uh, the one that they had seen crucified and then resurrected. And it changed their life and the church just exploded. They were willing to be thrown into prison, you know, for talking about Jesus. And uh, the church exploded. Paul came onto the scene and he takes this, this gospel, uh, this good news of the kingdom of, of God all the way to like the Mediterranean Rim and starts all these churches. He takes three missionary journeys. That's the book of Acts. And it is exciting. It is fun to read. And then you have this pretty big section of the New Testament called the Pauline epistles. These are letters that Paul, the apostle, wrote. He wrote many of them to churches, uh, specific churches, specific locations, and uh, he was addressing some of the issues that these churches were having, uh, trying to figure out what to do with the Old Testament law and, and uh, you know, different problems in the churches, and, and he writes a lot of theology in, in some of these letters as well. He writes to some uh, specific individuals. And all of his epistles, all of these letters are arranged not in chronological order, not in alphabetical order, but they're arranged from largest to smallest, uh, literally. Like Romans is the largest, the longest letter, and then you've got little Philemon, you know, the shortest of all of his letters. There's a little bit of debate on a couple of these books, like did Paul really write, you know, these? Because some of these don't exactly sound like Paul. And so I'll just kind of let you dig into that on your own time and uh, figure that out. Uh, and then you have this last part, which is like the general epistles, basically anything that Paul didn't write. So you've got people like James, the half brother of Jesus, who writes his uh, little book. And you've got uh, Peter and you've got um, uh, you've got the author of Hebrews, which we're not quite sure who that who that is. And then you have John. Um, John the seer, probably not John the, the, the disciple or the apostle, uh, probably John, who's a refugee on the island of Patmos. He receives this vision. And he writes his book of Revelation, and it is something else. It is awesome. I mean, there's these letters that are written to these churches, uh, you know, these specific churches. And then there's like this prophetic stuff and apocalyptic stuff, but then it ends with uh, it ends with the glorious hope of new creation. And you talk about a great ending to the Bible. Oh, it's awesome. This new, this, this hope of the new creation and the new heaven and new earth. So that's the New Testament in a nutshell. 
Um, Michael Bird, in his book, Seven Things I Wish Christians Knew About the Bible, we're kind of referencing this, this book throughout this uh, teaching series. Um, he says the theme of the New Testament, if we were to assign a single theme to its contents, it would be this. God is in Christ, reconciling the world to himself. The God of creation, the God of Israel, has made himself known in the person and work of Jesus of Nazareth. And this Jesus, whom the Romans crucified, is Lord and Messiah, died for our sins, was raised to put us right with, him, right with God. And salvation is found by putting faith in him. So how did the New Testament come to be? A lot of times when you get to this question, you hear the word canonization, right? Or the canon of, uh, of scripture. So I looked up that word canon, and, uh, and, and this is how the New Unger's Bible Dictionary defines it. The canon of sacred scripture is a phrase by which the catalog of the authoritative sacred writings is designated. And it comes from a Hebrew word, which is read or measuring rod. And so those books were measured by the standard or test of divine inspiration and authority and were judged to be God-breathed or inspired. And they were included in the canon. Uh, the term thus came to be applied to the catalog or list of sacred books, thus designated and honored as normative, sacred, and binding. But as uh, Michael Bird does in his book, he kind of unpacks this because this took three to 400 years. And so he says the consolidation of the New Testament canon was a gradual process as the churches came to agree on a definitive list of Christian writings. No one was walking around with an inspirational meter collecting books that measured a high reading. The second century church held the Jewish scriptures and the words of Jesus and apostolic instructions in high regard. And again, he kind of continues to write about uh, how uh, in the first three to four centuries, how they decided which, write, which Christian writing was in and which Christian writing was out. And uh, quite an interesting process. Uh, he basically says there was four different criteria for becoming uh, canonical. And the first one was apostolicity. Apostolicity feel like I'm doing a spelling bee, um, but it simply means like they're asking the question, was this Christian writing, was it written by an apostle or uh, an apostolic companion? So like, was it, you know, was it Peter? Was it Paul? Was it uh, Matthew? Was it one of the original disciples who became apostles? They were, uh, you know, they, they were with Jesus and they were sent out. You know, or was it written by somebody that we'd never even heard of? You know, some guy that moved from Ephesus into Jerusalem and he wrote this thing and he wants us to include it in the canon. They're probably like, uh, I don't think so. Uh, he wasn't, you know, he wasn't one of the apostles. And then secondly, antiquity. Like, can it be dated to the apostolic era? Basically, you know, middle to late first century. Um, or was it before Jesus or was it like, you know, a century or two later? They really wanted things that were written right about that time frame of 40 to, to 90 AD. Orthodoxy. Did it comport with the, the church's teaching? Uh, this was fascinating to read um, in Michael Bird's book. I guess there was a bunch of other gospels that were out there. There was like the gospel of Mary, gospel of the Egyptians, gospel of Philip. 
gospel of Judas, you know, who knew uh, if I was around that time, I might've written, you know, a gospel of David, <laughs> but, uh, but some of these gospels, they were a little out there, right? They didn't align with uh, the, the church's teaching. Here's one example. Uh, the gospel of Thomas, the very last uh, final verse of the gospel of Thomas says this, Simon Peter said to them, let Mary go away from us for women are not worthy of life. <laughs> Jesus said, Look, I will draw her in so as to make her male so that she too can become a living male spirit similar to you. But I say to you, every woman who makes herself male will enter the kingdom of heaven. Oh yeah, that's enough. All right, we, we read this and we're like, what? Yeah, that's not right. You know, God created as male and female. The Holy Spirit was poured out on men and women. Both men and women have access to the kingdom of God, you know. So they're like, sorry, Gospel of Thomas you're out. You know, this is not lining up with um, everything else that we're reading and hearing and teaching uh, in the church. And then finally, um, uh, Catholicity. I don't know if I said that right. Um, it's not Roman Catholic, you know, like you might think, um, Catholic meaning kind of general. Uh, so when they were thinking like, is this writing included in the canon of scripture or not? They're like, okay, is it used widely in all churches? You know, some, uh, you know, some little gathering of people on the east side of Jerusalem is saying, hey, what do you think about this gospel of Thomas? Uh, they're like, well, is anybody else using the gospel of Thomas in your uh, message series? You know, no. Okay. Um, so that was one of their criteria. They wanted to use and include the writings that were being used um, all over the region. Here's some key takeaways from our time today from the New Testament. Uh, one is that under is just, just to remember, like the scriptures are God's message. They're written by people in their own language and settings. They're inspired by the Holy Spirit. But I want you to understand this. The same spirit guided the processes of selection and transcription through which the scriptures were passed on to us. And uh, what a process that was. But just know the Holy Spirit guided all of this like making copies and writing down oral tradition and, and all of this, the Holy spirit oversaw all of it. And I think that's just like really cool. Secondly, the new Testament is really important. We're talking about the new Testament today and it's really important for understanding the old Testament. In fact, I would say the old Testament should be interpreted through the lens of the new Testament. Um, while affirming the integrity of the whole Bible. We're not saying that like the New Testament is superior or anything like that. Uh, the one way that you could say it is the Old Testament prepares the way for the new, while the New Testament fulfills and clarifies the old. And they actually work together. They complement each other in a unified message. It is the message of God, his relationship with his creation, right? It's one message. Um, and we saw last week how Jesus referred to the Old Testament and how Paul referred to the Old Testament. And then you can see some many things in the Old Testament that are pointing to the new. They're pointing to Jesus and, uh, you know, re redemption, the Savior, the Messiah that was to come. These next two takeaways are I'm just repeating uh, DJs from last week. I think it's important. Um, while today's readers of the New Testament face the four distant challenges uh, and DJ's talked about this. There's the challenge of time. And even though the New Testament is newer, I guess, it's still 2,000 years old. And so we face that challenge of time and culture, geography, you know, and then the New Testament was written in Greek. And I don't think any one of us, you know, go around and 
and speak a fluent Greek. Uh, at least I don't. Uh, but yet the New Testament remains foundational and authoritative for, for us as modern Christians. And then just, you know, when you're reading the New Testament, keep in mind the purpose of the scripture. It's to know God in an intimate way. It's to build your faith in God and your love for God and, and others and to give you endurance and hope. And again, like we see this in Revela- at the end of Revelation, this amazing hope of the new creation. Here's one final takeaway. It's more of a challenge for all of us. I just want to encourage you to, uh, when it comes to the, to the New Testament, yeah, read it all and live it. But I want to encourage you to, to specifically saturate yourself in the Gospels. I think everyone should read the Gospels at least once a year. Uh, just familiarize yourself with the life and the teachings of Jesus. Just read it again and again so that the teachings of Jesus just kind of like just roll off your tongue. Not only will that help you as you follow Jesus, um, but it will help you be able to point others to Jesus as well. Again, uh, we read the Bible to meet Jesus and learn to walk in his ways. I want to thank you for listening and watching this, and I'm looking forward to the upcoming weeks as we continue to talk about scripture more and uh, have have a great rest of your day. Uh, Blessings to you.